This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pots to attract and retain real A players. Join us where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. Welcome back to another episode of the Blue Collar Culture Podcast. I am your co-host, Ryan England, and I am here today with Jeremy McLiver. Welcome back, everyone. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about business growth and what we're doing to hire the right people, what we're doing to engage the right people so that they can go out and take care of our customers. But one of the things that is a byproduct of growing your team is that it comes with increased risk and it comes a lot of times with an increased financial burden to the organization. So really excited about today's guest here because he's actually in the business of helping you protect your business. The asset that you've created over the years so I'd love to welcome to the show the Chief Operating Officer of Reseco Insurance Advisors, Steve Tusa. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So I'm going to hit you with the same question we ask everybody because there is so much talk, there's so much misinformation out there about different industries. What is the biggest myth about your industry that you want to shatter for us right now? Yeah, so interestingly enough, the biggest myth is that Everybody has an insurance broker because you need an insurance broker typically to procure your insurance. And that broker, usually the response back is they're a really nice guy or they're a really nice gal. I have a great relationship. I trust them. And they respond really fast to any time I send them an email or make a phone call and I'm good. And, or I've met a lot of brokers and you all do the same thing. And you overpromise and it all sounds great. And then when it's time to deliver, it's really the same thing. So why even have a conversation? You know, and as we jump into this, Steve, I thought as you're sharing that, how many times I've heard that and believed it, the only reason that we're bringing you on the air and willing to bust that myth is because I first learned about you through a couple of my clients who were not getting that stuff, they were getting something completely different. And I remember being in session with one of them and they're like, well, our insurance guy, man, none of what you're telling me is insurance Uh, as I'm thinking about what they're telling me in the session and it's proactive and it's changing their culture and some amazing stuff. So tell us what should we be looking for from that partner? I'm almost afraid to say insurance broker on that. So tell us what, what should we be looking for if we're looking for good service and it's not just a fast reply when we call you? Yeah. So I didn't go to school for insurance. I graduated with a bachelor's degree in engineering, electrical mechanical engineering, and I'm all about solving problems and solving issues. And I found myself taking the insurance job for advisory type reasons. But what you should be looking for is an advisor, a true advisor, someone that enables your business to scale while managing risk, like Ryan mentioned, but someone that's going to have life experiences and a team of professionals that can collaborate and actually bring advice. And the goal is not to give more money to insurance carriers. And unfortunately, in my industry, when client's insurance goes up in price, 
the broker makes more money. It's a flawed economic model. So the worse or the more challenging a business gets or as the business grows, people like me make more money. Well, we've turned that on its head and you really need someone that's going to give you good advice that is business improvement advice, have a method to analyze the financial spend, benchmark that spend, and then bring true resources to bear to start managing that more effectively so you flush less money to the insurance company and keep that capital in your business. And if your insurance broker is not doing that for you, then they're earning a lot of money to simply renew your insurance policy. And there's waste. And my team loves attacking the waste. So when you say waste, what do you mean? Like what kind of waste? Just a more premium? Or is there other things that you're talking about when you say that? So yes, more premiums specifically and or more claims. So as companies get bigger, they might be in a risk sharing model where they have a higher deductible. They might have, they might be contemplating a captive insurance program. And as you take more risk, in addition to more premium, you also have claims. And the challenge with claims is they're never fully insured. So the carrier will pay, like for a worker's compensation injury, they'll pay the medical, they'll pay a percentage of the lost wages. But when your employee's injured and out of work, let's say they're put out of work for two weeks, what happens to your business when that happens? Do you have to put people on overtime? Do you have to move someone from one job to the next? Do you have to hire temp workers? I mean, there's all this uninsured cost, which is really a drain on profit that occurs temporarily until the next event happens. And so unfortunately, there's this unmeasurable component. Fortunately, at Reseco, we have a proprietary way of quantifying that. And that's what I mean by waste, lost profit. We call it financial leakage. So you're looking at it more than just the incident, more than just the loss and more than just the premium, but really all of the effects that go on in the real world. I heard you say real experience there. That's kind of where you're coming from is recognizing that, hey, there's a lot more that goes into this when we're hiring somebody and or replacing or through overtime, all those kinds of things, factoring those in. Absolutely. And this is not a new concept. When I was early on in my career, insurance carriers and other brokers call it indirect costs. They may have shown a picture of an iceberg and say, the top is what the insurance company pays. The bottom is what you pay. Here's the difference. We quantify it for our prospective clients and clients. And then we build strategy to change culture, influence performance, and do that deliberately on a one-year, three-year, five-year strategic plan to produce year-over-year improvement, resulting in less insurance dollars out the door. And that's the strategy behind it. But absolutely, it's proven expertise that we deliver, and it's in various areas. So you're actually creating a one, three, and a five-year strategy to change, particularly one of them that I'm aware of, their safety culture, which is going to ultimately change their insurance premium because they have a safer culture, less incidents, less losses, less leakage, and all those other waste areas. That's how we're going about it and, and turning it from a, the email response to a proactive one. Is that how, am I understanding that right? Absolutely correct. And you mentioned safety. That's one component of it, but absolutely. It's exactly what you said, Jeremy. 
So what's the biggest thing that's holding business owners back from really leveraging this area of their business? Well, it first boils down to what we discussed earlier. I have a really nice guy or gal. I trust this person. I've known them for 20 years. In some cases, they become a friend of that CFO or that business owner, maybe a friend of their wife or husband, and that's a barrier. They also have been promised things in the past and over-promise, under-deliver. That's what consultants are known for. And I carried the name consultant for years, and that's the stigma. But ideally, the biggest barrier is if we can show a business the opportunity to save money, the whole insurance model is predicated on five years of prior claim experience. So much like your auto insurance, if you've never had an auto claim in the last five years and you're driving a minivan, taking a low risk, so to speak, and you're in your 40s to 50s, your insurance cost is going to be really good. Oh, by the way, you need to live in the right neighborhood. Let's take that to a business. If you're in a moderate business with not a lot of risk, and your insurance history is really good, your claim history for five years is really good, your cost of insurance is probably not going to be a problem. But if you're in a riskier business, say construction or construction-related, transportation, warehousing, distribution, high volume, and your history has claims in it, that underwriter is going to price your insurance at what they believe the future will hold. If you do not have a one-year, three-year, five-year strategy, the price is the price. But most prospective clients believe they're nice guy or gal. And what they're selling is insurance leverage. I have a lot of insurance carriers. I'll leverage that market and save you money when they're delivering increases year over year. And what they say is, it could have been 15%, but I got you five. And somehow, I'm a business owner. They think they save you 10%. The way I look at it is they flush 5%. Barrier is they don't think there's a better way. They don't believe there's a better way. And they're believing the myths they've learned year over year from someone they really trust. And I get it. Ending a relationship with someone you trust, we can all think back. It's not easy, but it's amazing. Insurance is like the last frontier when it comes to this. Everything else in your business you evaluate the ROI. Why don't business owners evaluate the ROI on insurance? No one's been able to prove that. We can. We can quantify our ROI and we show that to our clients quarter over quarter and we align to their one-year, three-year, five-year plan and we establish goals that align with the business model. And if we don't deliver, it's going to stand out like a soft thumb. So we deliver. It's that simple deliver what you promise, exceed expectations. I love it. I love how you're quantifying it. And some of these things that we're talking about are intangible or they feel like they're intangible. The same thing that we run up against when we're really talking to companies about hiring, turnover, culture, those kinds of things that feel like business is hard. They can like pinpoint daily actions, but they Putting it on a PL and really saying this is what's going on can be a little bit challenging. And so we're looking at it from a numbers perspective. When we look at some of these same kind of concepts, you know, I think of one company that this is a larger one of them, but they increased revenue by $17 million in one year just by lowering turnover and getting a whole recruitment side to their business. Those kinds of things, when you start seeing those, it's like, 
And it's the same thing you're talking about where I'm hearing from this insurance side of it. We look at all of these little risks and these things and we're, we're holding on to a relationship or something like that, but it's causing something inside our business that's holding us back. So I love how you're challenging it. I can truly testify to some of the proactiveness I've seen there. Well, thank you. So with that, what are some actions that people can do to break through this wall and start looking at this piece of their business for some opportunity to grow or to be better? What's some areas that they could use to break through? So we start the conversation with basically an interactive 45-minute discovery process. That discovery process is unlike most conversations you'll ever have with an insurance broker. By the way, we operate an independent consulting practice too. So we're very consultative in our interaction and we really want to get to know our potential client, what the vision, mission, values are. We do our homework and determine, is this a client that we even align with from a values perspective? So core values are extremely important, but that 45-minute discovery usually, well, it always ends on time, but it actually usually carries over. And many a time, the discussion is around culture or attracting and retaining talent or their financial performance or safety or healthcare trends or regulatory compliance or brand protection. I mean, those are some areas where we've impacted our clients. And we end the meeting at 45 minutes learning a lot about that business. What's the top couple of things keeping them up at night? And if we can help, we go deeper in the area they need to help. And many times that first discovery, insurance comes up, but it's not the primary issue on top of mind. However, amazingly enough, you mentioned attracting and retaining talent. It's one of our areas of strength and culture will do that. And we had a much deeper discussion with a client and turned that into a tangible action. And Jeremy, we just delivered our financial leakage report and our value report. And for them, it was like we increased their sales by 10%. This is a $50 million company. Our value delivery was $5 million in sales. And we're an insurance brokerage firm. So that's what we love to do is make the business healthier. Our core purpose is better businesses, better lives. And we do that a lot of different ways. And it's our guiding purpose And we're all results-driven at Reseco. We want to get our clients the results they want to earn. And then we want to leverage that. Steve, I love that. When you're out there talking to people and you're really doing a holistic look at the business. I know so many people that are in the insurance space. And it's like, no, we're just going to talk about insurance, how that really impacts your business. I'm not quite sure, but we're at least going to make sure you're protected is a lot of the times the response that I hear. and. When we're working with clients on helping them attract and hire better people, I hear this all the time. I just can't find any good people. And when I ask them what they mean by good people, it's never, I can't find someone to do the work. It's always, I can't find someone that wants to do the work. I can't find someone that fits my culture or behaves in the way I want to behave. And so the solution to the problem is always so much deeper and bigger than what it looks like on the surface. So it sounds like you're in that same space where they might come to you with one problem, but you find out that it's something completely different. And when you really look at that root cause, you're able to help them with that. Absolutely. You mentioned talent. When we're in discovery, it comes up a lot. 
can you find more people for us? But you're absolutely right, Ryan. When you dig deeper, it's not more people. It's the right people in the right seats. And if you're an EOS implementation organization, there's strategies behind that. But there's many organizations that don't know how to do that. They don't have a recruiting strategy. They don't have a proven analytical way of screening people before they interview them. They don't have a a way to align and determine if the role that's available is aligned to what the person's skill sets are. And we have the ability and the proprietary tools to do that. And in some cases, we've partnered with the best in the business. But we have tools and we also have an HR senior advisor that would engage on the client's behalf as part of us being selected as the insurance broker. And why would we want to invest time and money at no additional cost? Well, it's to make the client have a better business, impact lives, get a better outcome, and then drive a lower insurance spend. That's where we make the investment at Reseco. Our competition invests in more marketing people to go out to the market to quote insurance, and we do not quote insurance. We will not do it. It's not in our client's best interest. So that's not our approach. It's very different. And you can interview 100 brokers. If you said, do you quote? And they said, of course we do. We would say, of course we don't. Hmm. I love that approach. I don't come across a lot of businesses where the owner was the one creating all the risk. It's almost always someone that you hired that's causing the risk to be out there and creating some issues. And so having that approach where you're helping them with the right people and just thinking about, are we protecting the company by getting the people in the right roles? I mean, it's just right up our alley. We'd love that. One of the questions I have for you that comes up a lot, especially with smaller businesses. And when I say smaller, it's probably most of the people listening right now under a couple hundred employees. One of the things they always tell me is I can't find good people because I don't have good benefits. I can't afford benefits or the benefits we have aren't very attractive. And that's the reason we can't get good people. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's a valid thought and it comes up very, very often. And the biggest thing we ask when that comes up, what are you trying to accomplish with your benefits program? And if they say it's to attract and retain talent, we have a methodology to say, well, do you know if that was part of the reason someone selected your organization. So our clients that have been clients for a while will know if benefits was an attraction, a detractor, or neutral. And then we have the largest benchmarking study in the United States, bigger than the big boys, millions of lives on benefits. And we can drill that live, real time, down from United States to region to state, to city, and actually compare their offering to others. And then most companies have a benefits guide that was put together in a regionalized, centralized format by their broker. And it just basically spells out the costs and it spells out the offerings. But employees don't know how to leverage that. And year over year, benefits rises by anywhere from 5 to 7%. Brokers come in and say, it would have been 15, I got you 7 And what do they do? You got to increase the copay. You got to decrease your spend. People have to pay more. So year over year, employees are used to showing up for benefits. Service quality goes down. Price goes up. People are not happy. And HR takes the brunt of this. Or your office admin takes the brunt of the complaints 
and your broker takes your commission. Yeah, there's so many variables at work there. And I love how you say, hey, is, do you know, is that the reason that you're either not getting or not keeping people? I think a lot of times it's easy to hide behind that because benefits have become less affordable in the last couple of years. And so I think a lot of people hide behind that and it may not even be a reason. We have clients all the time that are able to hire frontline talent, office talent, and they don't even offer a lot of benefits and rarely are they even employer paid, especially for the smaller businesses. And they're still attracting great people. So I know it can happen. Well, and also those smaller businesses, there's creative offerings. A client of ours doesn't need to jump in two feet in the water and whole body in the water. If they've never offered benefits before, we have the ability to strategically allow them to offer what would make a difference in the hiring decision. And I can gladly give you a really good example of a client that we're in year two with and how it impacted their business if you'd like it. Because it's a great example. It's led to them actually not only retracting talent, but increasing their workforce. And the enrollment has been 98% in their benefits offering. Wow, that's impressive. So let me ask this. I know there are people out there going, wait a minute, I'm a small business. And I've talked to my buddy who I've doing my insurance for the last five years. And I talked to him once a year. He doesn't have anything like that for me. How do people learn more about what you do? And what is it that they got to do to set up one of these 45-minute discovery sessions? And is there any pre-qualification or anything like that? Like, Can you just give us a quick intro on how someone can get a hold of you and start opening up the dialogue on some other options for them? You packed a lot into that. But I would say first, if they're open to having a conversation and sharing what is currently working well within their offerings of whether it's risk management or employee benefits, if they're willing to have that conversation and share that, we're willing to listen. And then that 45-minute discovery is real simple. It's simply a request into a person within our organization And we will schedule that discovery meeting based on the type of business you run and obviously what your goals are, whether it's employee benefits, property casualty, or consulting, we'll have a senior advisor reach out to schedule that discovery session. And I would always say too, when was the last time someone other than your buddy or really good friend or trusted confidant has analyzed what you're offering? and how you're performing. And if the answer is more than two or three years ago, if they're open to some analysis there, we're more than willing to do that. But I would just say, what do you have to lose in a 45 minute meeting that might yield less financial leakage in your business, more profit to fuel growth, more profit to reward your top performers, and it will stick to 45 minutes. And if there's nothing there of substance that convinces or motivates to move the ball forward, then obviously it's a 45-minute investment. But 90% of the time, we're having second meetings. And 10% of the time, things are so dialed in that they're good and that's fine. But if they're not, nine out of 10 times, we're moving towards a next step to dive deeper and make a difference. And with our clients, it's all about year over year, quarter over quarter, month over month improvement. And that's what we're all about. So if The organization's about being a little bit better each day and moving that flywheel a little bit faster each day. That's what we're all about, is really focused on where we're going 
and moving that flywheel to pick up some momentum and the culture and better businesses, better lives. I mean, that's what drives us. So it's as simple as reaching out to my quarterback on the team and getting scheduled for that discovery meeting. That's great, Steve. And you mentioned the word culture, which is obviously something that's in our name and it's in our DNA of everything that Ryan and I do. But I want to highlight just a little bit of that as we get towards the end of this podcast here. And just talk about that. So we got this guy, this business owner listening. I could see myself being in that spot. And I've had the good friend for 20 years, but I would like to learn a little bit more about this some of the stuff you said you do around the culture, around the safety, just hear a little bit about that. You're open to that meeting, even if I got my good guy, right? Absolutely. And in some cases, and it could even be on cybersecurity, in some cases, we'll engage as a consultant first because we've had clients not willing to part ways. And we've been hired specifically to improve safety, culture, and performance, but not do the insurance. And we are absolutely fine with that. And here's why. Better business, better lives. And over time, it's common that at some point, that business owner asks the question, what would it look like if we did the insurance and the safety? Or if we did the insurance and you did our cyber insurance more than the best practice assessment on some improvement of some of our practices? And what it would look like is an integrated approach where we, the consultant advisor, can tell the story to the future insurance carriers and say, look, you're looking at their claims five years ago, look in the rearview mirror 20% of the time and you won't wind up in a ditch. Let us tell you through the windshield the improvement this client and organization has made. Let me tell you what the safety culture looks like today. Let me tell you how 98% of their supervisors are engaged in coaching their people every single day, changing behavior, improving outcomes, operating safer, and why you shouldn't look at five years ago or their experience mod, which is four years old, and base your financial quote or proposal on five years ago. Because if you do that, we're going to find someone else that will do it for less because we have a proven process when it comes to safety culture, and it's 64% sustainable improvement on average. What's that 64% sustainable improvement mean? So what it boils down to is less claims, less incidents, less people getting hurt, less vehicle accidents, less equipment damage, less theft. I mean, you name it. All the things that cause the business to pause and regroup and spend more money. And on insurance... Yeah, your cost is your cost on a lot of insurance program. And then once a year, you renew it. But everything that happens between your renewal periods affects the future cost. And if you, if you have a worker's comp claim that costs $50,000 this year to the insurance company, you're going to wind up paying an insurance company more than $50,000 over the next three years to compensate for that. It's just the way insurance works. I've been on the insurance carrier side for the first half of my career. So I know how insurance carriers compensate. And I also know what their focus is and it's investment income. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not good for the small business. That's great. I love that about how the results are. Tell me a little bit about the methodology about how you go about doing this. Sure, Jeremy. Well, most consultants 
or advisors, they have boilerplate template on how they go about business. We start our interaction. If it's a safety culture improvement process that the client is after, we diagnose before we prescribe anything. So through an interactive best practice assessment, we will quantify strengths and opportunities for improvement based on over 100 years of experience. And it results in a red light, green light, yellow light report that will bring back to that prospective client and propose a game plan. Our proven process is really a four-step process. It's with senior management, phase one, why and where do you want to take your safety culture? And then if the client wants to move forward with a proposed strategy, it's simple three steps. We work with a team of the client's people at all levels to design the system. We have a highly effective launching process with managers and supervisors and coaching modules to enable the supervisors to become really good coaches of safety and create positive habits versus conventional safety is a bunch of rules of what not to do. We clearly define what is expected and build accountability around it, which is simply defining measuring and recognizing and rewarding people when they do it right. Very, very different, but highly effective. I've done it for years and have a lot of success stories there. Excellent. So, Steve, I have enjoyed this. If they want to reach out to you and your team, because I know that you have a pretty extensive and qualified team there, for 45-minute truly financial leakage discovery, not anything else there, what do they need to do? Where do they need to go? Let's direct them. Oh, it's simple. They can contact Deanna Hughes. I could provide her email address and phone number if you'd like. And Give it to us and we'll put it at the bottom of the words for the follow-up this too. Okay. So it's D Hughes, spelled H-U-G-H-E-S, at Reseco, R-E-S-E-C-O, advisors.com. Or you can call if you prefer, if you're a phone person, it's 603 603- If for some reason you'd rather have a conversation first with me, I'd welcome that. And I'll provide my email address, which is stusa at resecoadvisors.com. Or my phone, best number is 602-402-2210. Be happy to chat first if that person prefers that. Perfect. Well, everybody listening out there, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode here as we've brought to you, Steve, and everything about really looking at your insurance as a strategy and as a way to take care of that last frontier of your business. So with that, Steve, thank you so much for being here and I look forward to seeing you in the future. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate the time. Thanks for being here. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by BlueCollarCulture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to BlueCollarCulture.com.